0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to all have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. I'm so grateful you're here today. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network learn more about all of our shows in the network at sandyboyproductions.com, including our newest edition, the Ready to Run podcast hosted by Dr. Efron Kabalis and Kurt Roser, PT, talking all things injury prevention, as well as coming back from injury. And they also interview some pretty awesome pros in the Boulder area on that show. All right. Today's episode is with trail runner Bailey Kowalczyk really excited about this. I learned a lot in this episode. I love talking to trail runners and don't do it as often as I'd like. Bailey is a trail runner and she recently signed a contract with Nike running with their trail team. Bailey burst out onto the trail scene in 2020 and she had some really great FKTs. That's fastest known time if you're not in the trail world. And most recently she had a really great run at the Golden Trail Series, which is a stage race where she placed fifth overall in this episode we go all the way back to her days running at Clemson University Bailey had some pretty significant troubles during her time at Clemson she was medically released as a result of some disordered eating and she moved to Boulder Colorado and ultimately discovered trail running which I would say changed her life In this episode, we talk about some of Bailey's hardships and how she is so very passionate about running as your strongest, healthiest self. This is a constant process for not just Bailey, but many of us listening to this podcast. And it's one of those episodes where I'm like, man, I can't believe you're only 27 years old. She has some great wisdom. She's a good friend of Lucy Bartholomew. And throughout the conversation, I was like, oh yeah, I can tell these ladies are friends. I also loved learning about the trail side of running. That isn't the big ultra distances. Bailey competes in a lot of like 25 K to marathon distance, uh, even half marathon distance trail runs and races. And I thought that was really interesting to hear about that part of the sport. All right, friends. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a waiting, rating and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. That is a huge help and potential listeners finding us. All right, friends, this episode of the podcast is supported by lagoon wow you have got to check out their pillows they are amazing best pillow i've ever had in my entire life worth every penny there's nothing more important than prioritizing sleep and rest if you want to be as physically active as i know many of you are listening to this podcast go to lagoon sleep.com lindsay and take the two minute quiz figure out which pillow is best for you and get started. You can use the code Lindsay for 15% off your first order. Don't delay. You are about to get the best sleep of your life when you try the Lagoon Pillows. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Bailey. Okay. Today on I'll have another, I am so excited to have Bailey Kawazik on the show. Welcome to the show, Bailey.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today.
0: Hey, congratulations. I saw that you just announced a Nike sponsorship, Nike Trail. Yes, I did. It's been
1: it's been kind of a um, turbulent few months, just trying to find some clarity here and, and find the team that fits me really well. And I'm so excited to be joining Nike Trail. It's going to be a fun journey.
0: Now, when you say team, are you specifically just talking sponsorship? Or are you talking like, hey, this is the group I'm actually going to be training with as well?
1: Yeah. So it definitely looks a little bit different in the trail running world. It's not quite like team boss or Tin man or the groups that you see in road running. I wish it was a little bit more like that, but there's, you know, Nike trail has athletes from all over the world and they're most, a lot of the athletes are actually in Portland. Um, so I will still be training. I I train mostly by myself here in Boulder, Colorado, so that, that won't change much, but, the, the cool thing with the trail running teams is that going to these big international events, that's when we're a team and and there's always a training camp once, once or twice a year. And the team really tries to get together for those team building events. It's just not the everyday grind where you're working with the teammates.
0: I bet that feels really nice to go to these big races where you might not know a ton of people to feel like you kind of have a home base.
1: Yeah, it's so nice. And and I do so I have been on a team in the past and I really did enjoy that feeling. I come from a road running background, um track in college. So I really love that camaraderie and that that feeling that I have teammates even though it looks a little bit different these days.
0: Totally, yeah. And I want to talk about that a little bit, you coming from roads to trails and You know, you really had a big year last year and I know that it came off of a tumultuous time right before that. So how are you feeling like right now?
1: I am. I'm really proud. I'm proud of the year that I had. I'm proud of using my voice and standing up for myself. I'm proud of finding my place in in the community and feeling like I know who I am and what I want at this point in my career. So yeah, I feel really proud. it's It's funny trying to build my schedule for this year. It's not nearly as stressful as it has been in the past because I just feel so secure that I'm in the right spot and that there's not a wrong decision here. So I definitely feel very proud. That's my that's my word of the day.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. well, what what do you want? What do you want in the sport? I think,
1: you know, I want to keep growing as an athlete. I want to test my limits. I want to see how far I can go with this sport and um just how successful I can be. But also, I really want to grow the sport in a positive way. I want to exude health and happiness and a balance between, you know, being your best athletic self, but also being your healthiest self. So that's something... I just, I want to be an icon in the sport and somebody that people and young girls especially can look up to and desire to be more like me, I guess, and more healthy and balanced and and not necessarily one dimensional. I think that's, that's a really big goal of mine in this
0: space. Well, and you, you're starting to do that. You're telling your story. You're talking about that. You're talking about being your healthiest self. What would that look like though, beyond social media? Like, do you aspire to like get in front of college teams or even high school kids and, and kind of share your story and say, it doesn't have to go that direction before it gets to this beautiful place. Yeah.
1: I think it would be amazing to, to talk to different teams, especially high school and college teams. You know, when I was in that position, I did not we didn't have anybody coming in. We didn't have any, I didn't even know trail running existed at that time, but it can go, it can go with road running too, you know, bringing in these big names and these big figures in the sport to share their stories and to share, you know, their health, their health and and how that helped them be them, but be, their best selves athletically, personally, mentally. And so it would be great to be able to chat with different teams coaches see how I could get involved in that way I have been on a few women's panels and I think that those are super powerful also um, just being able to spread the message and share my own story in different ways that don't involve social media Um, I love social media but I think sometimes it can be a double-edged sword so it's nice to be able to speak face to face with people um, and with the younger generation
0: So somebody starts following you right now. You just signed with Nike trail and they only see like what's happening now and what you're excited for in 2023. Can you share a little bit about that part of your story, going to Clemson and walking through your eating disorder, coming out of it, going back to it. And, um, just so that they're up to speed, the listeners up to speed on what brought you to where you are today.
1: Of course. Yeah. So I can give my, my few minute version of my story. Um, I took the the pretty classical approach to running. I ran in high school. I went to Clemson University in South Carolina. It's a pretty big school, um, pretty big athletic program. And it was not the, the healthiest culture. There was a lot of weight talk and a lot of um, basically a lot of guiding us towards weight loss in a way in an effort to better ourselves athletically so so coaches kind of put pressure on us to look a certain way to weigh a certain amount and you know some people that didn't that didn't impact them and i think you know i had the perfect storm of mm. personality traits so i'm definitely not blaming any one situation it's more i was the perfect storm and and all i needed was a little bit of um a little bit of a, a trigger essentially. And, and that just kind of led me to a spiral of wanting to please these coaches and wanting to be, you know, the best version of myself and what that looked like at the time was losing weight, looking a certain way. And, um, you know, that just put me in a huge hole. I ended up spiraling into, um, full-blown anorexia. I ended up, I was removed from school and, I actually did not go back to Clemson. I ended up transferring after that. So it was really pivotal in my journey. I thought I was never going to run again. I took two years off of running completely and, you know, just felt like I lost my athletic self, but also just a huge part of my identity was gone. I I didn't know who I was without running because it was torn from me in such a odd way. It wasn't really a, decision that I wanted to make to quit the sport at the age of, I think I was 19 at the time. Um, So that was, yeah. So I I would say that was, you know, Bailey to Bailey (laughs) 1.0. And then I started road running and I moved to Boulder, Colorado. I started road running because that's really the only side of the sport that I knew, you know, I, I thought, okay, post-collegiately I either road run or I run on the track. And so I did a little bit of both and, you know, it, it felt like I was just going through the motions. Um, it was definitely, it was really nice to be able to run again and to try to find who I was in the sport and where I could, you know, still compete in a healthy way. Um, that's when I discovered trails and honestly, I felt Head over heels in love. I absolutely love trail running. It was kind of the perfect mix of everything for me. And it felt like a really healthy culture. It was something different. I had no times to compare to. So it wasn't like I'm comparing myself now to what I was in high school. And um, I just think it was the perfect thing mentally for me at the time. And, you know, that went, I had a really good breakout year in well ironically it was in like 2019 to 2021 which is the worst (laughs) time for competition but uh with trails you're able to do fkts and and all these personal projects alongside racing so that was really fun um however you know it's not this perfect story with a with a bow on it i had success i found myself um in you know second to third place in a lot of races. And I kind of looked next to me and was like, okay, what's the difference between me and first place? How can I get 1% better? And unfortunately, you know, I, I felt like I had completely gotten rid of the eating disorder. Didn't ever have to deal with it again. That was behind me. And, you know, it crept its way back in, in a very sneaky way. I, I, um found myself telling myself that you know the person next to me the difference between me and her is that i don't look like her i need to be just a little bit smaller i'm not going to go full blown what happened in college like i'm just going to change a few things here and there and unfortunately it led to a really intense relapse in the beginning of last year so in the beginning of 2022 about a year ago and um Honestly that was probably the most eye-opening experience of my life. I found myself at rock bottom and I lost running again, which was just heartbreaking especially after, you know, going pro and feeling like I would never have to deal with that again. Um but, you know, I think it was pivotal for my development as both a human and an athlete. Um coming back from that I I came back. You know, I have a team here that I work with, but I did not go into any sort of facility or hospital and I think going through that hard work kind of by myself in a way, the day-to-day process of fighting my own brain and um you know, like finding what motivates me and what drives me and and why I want to to be healthy again. I think that made it so that um this is going to be a lasting I mean, obviously it'll always be a battle that I have, but I think this will be a lasting recovery. And, um, I put all the work in and I had the most successful season of my life as the healthiest me. And so I think knowing that it's, it's just a reminder that, um, I need to keep doing that work in order to, to be my happiest and my best
0: self. How do you deal with like the knowing that it's a, this is the long game. You are feeling good right now. You figured out you have to fuel, you know, you need all, you, you need to be your healthiest self to race the way you want to race. But knowing like, you know, cause I have a really strong issue with anxiety and every time I'm good, there's always this fear like, oh my gosh, what if I fall back into that hole where I like, don't even want to get out of bed again. And it's like, you know, that it's like a battle in your mind that you're probably going to walk with for the rest of your life. So how do you, I don't know if reconciles the right word, but you know, how do you walk through with that day to day?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's some moments, honestly, there's some moments where I'm terrified. Um, I really, you know, I don't want to be back in that place and I don't, and I think that's the key though, is that, you know, there's part of my brain that's like, "Oh, this is comfortable. But then there's a bigger part of my brain that's like, remember, how this stripped you of all of your identity, all of your friends, all of your purpose, all of your success. And I think, you know, it it requires a lot of fact checking and it requires a lot of work. I mean, I see a a therapist uh, twice a month right now. And I think just being honest with myself and, and accepting that external help and knowing that, you know, I'm kind of, I think of these thoughts as like a wave. So it's like, I'm riding that wave. And instead of having it be this jagged mountain where it's like, you know, rock bottom and tippy top and rock bottom and tippy top, I'd rather have it be like a smooth flow and, and just trying to recognize that there's going to be ups and downs still, but they don't have to be so jagged and intense. And, you know, we can get through those and, and ride that wave, whatever that looks like. I know it's different for everybody, but, um, yeah. I think the key for me is accepting that those thoughts will be there and that I will experience this, but it doesn't have to be black and white, which is very hard to accept, but
0: yeah. So hard? I know because you just want to dust your hands of it and just be done with it. Mm-hmm. Like it, but it's, it's not, that's not how it works. And it, sometimes you're like, ah, oh, it sucks, but you gotta, you gotta ride it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the way that my brain works, it's like, well, that's over. Thank God. Like now we can move on and I don't have to deal with that ever again. But I think, you know, this time this was a reminder that this is, this is not something that I can just dust my hands of. This is something that I need to be aware of. And I need to, you know, that when those red flags happen, I either you know, reach out, get help, or I dig deep and and realize that this isn't forever, but I also have to look at my goals and okay, how does this action align with my goals? It doesn't. So I need to really fight that in the moment. Um, something that's also helped a lot is I am a coach as well. And so, you know, trying, remembering what I want to be for my athletes and how I want to, how I want to be for them. And, you know, I want to be someone that they can look up to someone that they can relate to. And so I think just sharing my story over and over again, it actually helps a lot because it's, you know, it's kind of hanging out my dirty laundry, but it's also um, a level of accountability. You know, I, I am not keeping secrets and these things, these things like thrive in secrecy and keeping it from the world. So I'm not doing that anymore.
0: It's a vulnerable place to be too, when you're like leading other people, because you want to feel like I don't mess up or you can look to me for guidance and, you know, and it's like the fact of the matter is every single person is human, no matter how high up on any chain, any business, any, any, um, you know, athletic program, like there's human fault in everything. I don't know if fault's the right word, but, um, you know, I think we tend to look at some of these people and think there's nothing standing in their way. And it's just simply not true for anybody. That's a human being.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's where social media can be a little funny. Um, sometimes it's easy to to think that all of these high level professionals with names in the sport have it all together and they have it all figured out. And, and that's just not the truth. We're all human at the end of the day. And um, I think it's gotten a little bit better. You know, there's a lot of people sharing their stories. A lot of them look alike and a lot of them don't. And I, I think it just, it makes it very relatable. you realize that these people are, at the end of the day, they're all human and they all have gone through things and and learned from them. And everybody has a different driving force, but it's definitely helpful to see that, especially on Instagram. I know it can be in the past, everyone looked like they all had it together and it was just this, you know, 2D image of somebody with a smile on their face. And and now I think there's a little bit more honesty behind those those images. And I, I really appreciate that and I think that's important.
0: This episode of the podcast is supported by Lagoon. One of the most important things you can do for your training, running, life in general is get good sleep. I have looked for a really good pillow for a very long time and I'm so happy to have landed on Lagoon. This has helped me improve my sleep immensely and it can do the same for you. Waking up has never felt more refreshing. So you can go take their 2-minute sleep quiz to find your match. I'm the Fox. That is the pillow that I matched up for and I love it so much. It is so comfortable. Go to lagoonsleep.com/lindsay that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y and use the code Lindsay for 15% off your first purchase. I can't wait to hear what you think. Um, and one thing you mentioned is like teammates not running a step since. And I mean, I think what we really want to see is people wanting to continue to love to run after they experience this like college experience. So um, coaches can get sidetracked by quick success, like, and they, you know, they only have athletes for four years and they want the best program they can possibly have. And to take the athletes like full self long-term health into, um, the highest, like that's the most important thing is selfless. It's a selfless thing to do. And that's what they should be doing. But, um, I hope conversations like this and, you know, Lauren Fleshman's book and all sorts of people talking will make that change?
1: Yes, that is something, you know, I've brainstormed with a few different athletes about this, about, you know, are there different metrics that we can measure success with in NCAA coaches? Not necessarily, okay, you won the NCAA championship three times in a row. Like, is there a way that we can measure how many professionals did you, did you have, or even how many athletes do you have still running or still competing post-collegiately? I think that's important as well. You know, you see so many NCAA athletes coming out and they're injured for five, six, seven years after, and then they just lose the love for the sport. And, And that's not always the story. I'm definitely not, you know, I love NCAA athletics. And I think that there is a lot of good that comes from that. But I do think that there's other ways that we can measure success in these coaches and, and, I love what, what Lauren Fleshman's doing. I love what, what everybody, all these big names are doing. Um, but yeah, I've, I've definitely brainstormed how we could, how we could change the system a little bit to, to make it so that these coaches are incentivized to have longevity over immediate success.
0: Well, I'm cheering you on and however you pursue the endeavor to, to keep lifting up your voice in this because it, it matters and it's important.
1: Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I think, you know, it's it's definitely a long, it just like we've talked about the struggles, it's taking the long road, but I am willing to shout from the rooftops until, until we see change. So, yeah.
0: Well, let's talk about trails a little bit. Can you tell everybody a little bit about the Golden Trail Series? I know that was a really big stage race for you where you placed fifth overall, but I bet... A lot of our listeners lean more towards the roads and the marathons. And I love when I have ultra runners on and we can educate them a little bit about the trail scene. So can you share about that race a little bit?
1: Yeah. So the golden trail series is so in the regular season that they have six races, you just have to race. You just, you just have to race three of them and you get points based on that. So you go into the final, which was a stage race last year. You go into the final with a certain number of points that kind of places you, um, in the series. So I went into the final in sixth place and the final was five stages back to back to back. And it was anywhere between 25 K and I believe the longest was 30 K. So it was about 15 to 19 miles each day with a 5 K. I say 5 K time trial in the middle. So it was like two long stages, 5 K time trial, two long stages, but the road me heard 5 K time trial and got super excited (laughs) that we would be on a road with you know, um, alpha flies and running super fast, but this 5k time trial is like up and down a mountain. So it wasn't exactly the time (laughs) trial that everyone's imagining, but, um, each stage lasted about three hours or so three to four hours. Um, and it was a new format for me, honestly, this, but it was so, so fun. Um, it definitely tested, your ability to recover between events and kind of strategize a little bit. So I went into that not exactly knowing what to expect. And um, in the stage race itself, I ended up getting second, which allowed me to jump up to fifth overall for the series, which was just so exciting and so fun. And I think, you know, it was just a huge celebration of everything that happened in the year and, And to be able to run a really long race and then run it again and again and again is just so amazing. And I don't take that for granted at all. I, it was, I improved every single day out there and that I I think it was just a reminder that the human body is amazing. And if you treat it well, you can do really hard things. And, And so that was, it was a really fun event. So that's definitely on my radar again for this year.
0: I love that. What you said, if you treat it well, you can do really hard things. What's your driving force though, to do hard things. I think we love the feeling post hard thing, but to stay like mentally sharp during hard thing and training for hard thing can be challenging at times. So what is your mental drive?
1: Yeah, the you're right. The training process can be very, very hard, especially in the winter. I think for me, it's, it's just, I've always enjoyed seeing myself. I've always enjoyed, you know, seeing, obviously it's not super comfortable in the moment, but that feeling afterwards is so worth it to me that it, it kind of drives me throughout the entire event um, that, and just celebrating how far I've come, you know, when it gets really hard in these races, I kind of think to myself, I'm like, just think about how hard, like how hard some of the things in life have been. And this is, this is just a celebration. You know, you don't, this isn't forced. And I think that's the thing also is that it's completely voluntary. And it's the only time in my life where I feel like my brain is pretty darn clear of turbulence. So it's, mm-hmm. it's mostly like the only thing going through my brain is like, you are a beast. You can do hard things. Like you can do this. I know this hurts. And and I think that there's something really powerful to that. It's like, during the everyday grind, it can sometimes get a little bit loud in your head. And and so something about running so hard that your head clears is just really exciting.
0: Oh, totally. I know. I'm thinking like, there's like two things, right though? Because like when you, when you put a bunch of pressure on yourself, you want to say, well, like what really matters in my life is like my friends and my family and blah, blah, blah. But there's this other side when you're in the race where you can get into the zone where you're like, nothing else matters except for like working hard right now. And Mm -hmm. I think you can go either way and both ways can lead to a successful finish, maybe a little bit of both. But I like what you're saying there because I don't know many times in my life when my mind is totally clear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard. I was, I was talking to a friend the other day and we were like, I don't, is it possible to have kind of a a thoughtless brain moment? And, and, you know, for me, that's running and that's, I mean, running hard, you know, during training, there's definitely moments in workouts where I like feel like I should never run again ever. But I think those are the times that make the races so much more worth
0: it. Do you meditate like outside of running?
1: I, don't too much my meditation is reading i really enjoy reading and kind of getting lost in a book that is my form of meditation i think i could be a little bit better at you know complete stillness and and mindfulness in that sense but um reading kind of bridges that gap for me
0: okay good cuz at the end you're going to have to give us some book recommendations so okay file that away um i think you're in a really interesting space you tell me cuz i'm not in the trail world but Um, I oftentimes think like roadrunners, I was just thinking about this on my run yesterday because, um, somebody said to me like, Oh, what are you, what are you training for? Are you doing a spring marathon? And I was like, no. And then I immediately felt like, kind of like, should I be training for a spring marathon? You know? And I just ran a marathon in the fall. Like I don't (laughs) need, need to run one in the spring. Um, and then I was thinking like, okay, we glamorize the marathon so much in road running. And I think a lot of times people, If they're not training for even at least a half, they feel like, oh, I'm not even like a real runner, you know, blah, 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 which that's definitely not true. Like you can run six miles, like three days a week, two miles, three days a week, whatever in the trail world. Do those like hundred milers, like Western States get glamorized, like the marathon does for us road runners. And you do these like shorter distance trail runs. So tell me about like what that scene is like compared to the hundred mile scene. And do you ever feel pressure to be like, Oh gosh, I got to go do the 50 and the hundreds. Yeah, I think there's definitely,
1: you know, I think just the nature of runners sometimes can be like, well, what's next? What's next? What are you training for? What's, we can go bigger, we can go harder. So I think that's definitely there. And especially I'd say Western States and then the UTMB series are two big Like, when are you going to do UTMB? When are you going to do, you know, OCC, CCC, which are still quite long for me um, and for anyone, I think. (laughs) So yes, those are definitely questions, especially within the sponsorship world too. There's a lot of emphasis put on Western Mm -hmm. States, put on CCC. And I, um, it's hard not to, you know, want to do those, but right now I'm so happy doing what I'm doing. and, And I'd say what I do is, pretty much marathon and under, um, the marathon on the trails can take quite a bit of time sometimes depending on the course, but, um, yeah, there's definitely that pressure. And, and on the flip side, also, there's always people asking, what are you training for? What's next? What's next? And sometimes I don't have that answer and you go into the spiral of like, "Oh my gosh, what am I training for? But I think, you know, a runner is a runner and you don't have to have, I coach quite a few athletes that have absolutely no race desires. They just want to be fit enough to go do a really fun solo adventure. And obviously I compete. And so that's not necessarily my goal, but I think it's important that people know that you don't have to have a race to define yourself as a runner. Um, and you don't have to run 50 miles. You don't have to run hundred miles. You don't have to run a marathon. I think it's important to, to make that known, but yes, the pressure is definitely there. And I'd say I am still okay with my current distances. And I, I really, you know, there's more competition coming into this sub ultra scene. There's a lot of, a lot of really good talent just around the world. So um, I'm very happy where I am right now.
0: Okay. Sub ultra scene. That's what, is that what people call it? Yes, that is. That's what
1: I'd consider. I mean, people say anything under a 50 K is considered sub ultra in the trail world. And that is most definitely where I would place myself.
0: Oh, I'm so curious about your history with like, you know, the speedy stuff on the roads. Because trail runners, they have such a wide variety of stories of how they came to. And I'll just use because I don't know nearly as many trail people as some people listening are definitely you. I'll just use Jim Walmsley as an example, like someone who comes from like a faster background. So I'm and and he does so well in these hundred milers, but I'm, I'm wondering with you, like, do you feel like your speed is what makes you want to stay at the shorter distances? Cause like, obviously the longer you get is the speed less important. You tell me. Yeah, it's,
1: it's really interesting because I, I actually ran 800 and 1500 in college and I wouldn't even run the three K because it was too long. And I was a middle (laughs) distance runner. I didn't need to run a three K that's way too long. Um, so I just find that really ironic, but I do, you know, speed translates so well onto the trails and especially in the races that I do where, where you're still really redlining for most of it. Um, wow. and I think that that's intriguing to me still, like I really, really enjoy going fast, but I also love to climb mountains and run downhill. So I think right now it's this perfect combination of taking the road speed that subjectively, I feel like I still have. And, um, cause I do train a lot on the roads and, and oh, it transits very well. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's this perfect combination right now. And I just don't have the desire to, I think with ultras, like a lot of them, you still have to be, especially Western States really fast, but there's also this, it's not like you're, you're really running at like a threshold effort for the entire thing. Instead of that, like there's a lot less, um, planning and crazy amount of thought gone into a three hour race than there is a 17 hour race to me. That's like so hard to fathom
0: see what you're talking about seems harder to me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of ultra runners would agree. They would, <laughs> they would be like, you're insane for wanting to redline for three hours. That's so but
0: long to run to so hard. Seems,
1: yeah. It's, it's so funny. And I'm sure that at some point the scale will kind of tip a little bit and maybe I'll want to, you know, go to the dark side of ultras at some point, <laughs> but, um, right now I think, yeah, I really enjoy that that red line. I really love to toe the line.
0: This episode of the podcast is supported by Athletic Greens. And I got to tell you, I am hooked on Athletic Greens. I have been hearing about AG1 forever. That is the Athletic Greens product that is filled with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced nutrients in one convenient daily serving. You just put one scoop in, shake it up with eight ounces of water, start your day with it, get your energy going, and it will have you feeling balanced and supported, both your immune system, your digestive system. It has prebiotics, probiotics to help with your gut health, and it also provides metabolism, energy, and stress support. I wake up in the morning, I go straight to my cabinet to get my athletic greens, start my day like that. I love starting the day with a healthy habit, putting this nutrient-dense product into my body. I'm telling you, you gotta try it. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee. And when you go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, you will get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five travel packs. You're gonna want those travel packs. It helps because you feel like, oh, I'm starting the day the same way I do at home, even when I'm on the go. And plus, when you're traveling, you might not get the nutrient-dense meals that you get at home. So it's that extra security blanket there as well. Like you know you're getting those 75 vitamins and minerals in when you take your AG1 in the morning. Again, go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, and you will get that free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2, plus five travel packs of AG1. All right, friends, back to the show. what's the percentage of your training on roads versus trails?
1: Um, in the winter, like 90% road, but in the summer, I'd say I'm on trail four days on road two days. So I'll do, I'll do a lot of my like interval sessions on road still. And then, um, I'll do one easy run on road as well. And then the rest will be trail.
0: Yeah. I imagine your interval sessions and stuff like that are similar to what a pro marathoner might be doing.
1: Very similar. Yeah. Very similar. And I actually have done interval sessions with marathoners before my coach coaches, a few road runners, and there's obviously a plethora of road runners in Boulder. So I've jumped in with a few people, um, to get some road workouts in, and they're very, very similar. There's not too many differences. Um, every, obviously when I'm leading up to a specific event, the workouts will change a bit. And then I'll have some workouts in my long runs, which are on trails. But for the most part, that speed development is just like what you would see with road running.
0: This could probably be an annoying question, but like, do you ever wonder like, and I saw you signed up for Houston half and had to drop cause you were sick. So it makes me curious. Do you ever wonder, like, well, what what does this translate to, like, a flat road marathon?
1: Yes, I think because I personally think I'm faster now than maybe not in a 400 or an 800, but I just think because I have this engine now that I didn't have before and the speed, I really think that I could do a half or a full faster now than I could have when I was a quote unquote road runner. And so it's intriguing. I really wanted to run Houston this year. I I have this secret goal. That's maybe not so secret, but I would love to run um, the OTQ someday and in the marathon, obviously. And I don't think that will work out this year just okay. with the timing. I'm not sure. I can't, can't say never there, there, there may be a, <laughs> there may be a last ditch <laughs> CIM effort, but Fine. I think, yeah, yeah. So I think it, it does intrigue me. It really, I think translates well and you see, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with Nanke Brinkman, but she is a 222 marathoner and she's dominates on wow. the trails. Yeah, she's run two three marathons in her life and she ran 222. So she's quite talented and that's inspiring to me, you know, seeing someone crush the trails but then also go to the road marathons and be able to get I think she got second or third at European champs. So um yeah, yeah.
0: Is she European?
1: She is. She's from the Netherlands. She's a she's also a Nike Trail athlete. She's oh. amazing. Um, but she will be running Boston this year. So I see those stories and that really inspires me. So my my road time is definitely not over, but um, with having to drop from Houston, it kind of made it funky with the schedule in the beginning of the year, unfortunately.
0: Okay. Well, now thank you for mentioning her because I'm like, I gotta interview her too. That sounds exciting. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. She's awesome. awesome.
1: And she's another, you know, crossover athlete, which is just great.
0: Oh, that's so exciting. Um, well, I'm excited to see what you would do in a half or a a full marathon. Um, but you like trails are your thing. Like if you did that, that would be like, what if you got the bug though? What if you then got the road bug?
1: (laughs) I think, you know, trails are my thing for sure. Um, the cool thing, though, is that trail season starts in May-ish. And so, you know, my my plan, if I was to ever want to, to go back to roads a little bit, my plan would be to spend that, like, January to March time doing some road stuff, filling that, you know, um, hunger for roads if that happens, and then jumping back on the trails. Because at the end of the day, trails bring me the most joy, and, and the roads are just kind of a fun like look how far you've come you can jump in the roads and and still do well and have fun and um then get back to trail yeah
0: okay so is david roach still coaching you yes i i'm actually at his
1: house right now this oh is, my goodness yeah. yeah he's still coaching me he is wonderful
0: okay so have you gotten a little bit of baby time with their baby
1: i have yeah i was i was um watching leo a bit for the last maybe month or two while they kind of found a a more full-time nanny. So I I love the baby time, but yes. Yeah. David has been a huge source of light in my journey and has helped me so much. And I really don't see myself straying away from his coaching.
0: Oh, they have a special way that they work with their athletes. I mean, it's, it's life giving, Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think after my coaching experiences that I've had in the past, having somebody that's a beacon of light and that, you know, I put enough pressure on myself that I don't need external motivation. I don't need somebody Mm -hmm. telling me to go, 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 go. And, you know, we get a lot of work done, but he's just such a positive human and so helpful and exactly what I need in in my training and my life right now.
0: Um, how did you guys go about deciding what your spring races are going to be? I saw your name on a couple of races coming up.
1: Yeah. So we, you know, the main races start in May and it's kind of a tricky May to July this year because there's world championships in June, but golden trail also starts in May, June. So, um, it'll be a little bit backwards from last year. We, we decided that it's going to be a little bit heavier of a May and June, and then I'll have a little bit of summer to chill out a bit. And then it'll ramp back up in like August, September. So, um, you know, we collaborate on races and, and kind of go back and forth on what excites me and then what he thinks is practical. And I feel like we came up with I'm still toying around with it a little but we came up with a schedule that feels really right.
0: Um I heard in another interview you say that you started skiing when you were 2 years old. And Yes. I, I find that so, like so fascinating to think of a 2-year-old out on skis. You know, I'm just like I can't <laughs> I can't even imagine dealing with like my 4-year-old on skis. Um and I'm always so interested to hear like from high achieving athletes how their childhood was a part of what made them like into the athlete they are today
1: yeah i think i mean i was a go 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 child my my dad is an avid skier so yeah they put me on skis when i was 2 and and there's some really funny videos of me going down the bunny hill and Base planning and getting a bloody nose <laughs> and getting back up and running up the mountain to try to go again. So obviously I was I was just outside so often as a child and I I absolutely loved to run. I played soccer, but all I enjoyed doing was running up and down the field um, as much as I could. And I think I grew up in upstate New York near the Adirondack Mountains and we used to hike all the time and I would chase my dad up and down the mountains. And I think just being outside in nature and running everywhere and having my parents really foster this outdoor centric lifestyle. It really, it it allowed me to move. It allowed me to, to kind of be in nature all the time. And that inspired me to stay active and I think just having athletic parents and my dad was a runner at one point. And so there was a little bit of like help with where to go and, and how, how that looks in my life. But I've always been kind of a driven need to do something person.
0: Um, I'm so curious about when did like, like social media and like smartphones, like how old were you? Because I totally missed that until college you know, that's really when, when smartphone I got, no, I got my first smartphone when I was like 26, I think, I don't know. I was older, but like you kind of, you must have grown up during that time. Or are you just a little bit older that it wasn't super saturated yet?
1: I got, let's see, Instagram became a thing. My junior year of high school. So when I was a junior in high school, that's when I got an Instagram and it still, it wasn't what it is now. I think it definitely got bigger as I uh, grew up, but it was a thing when I was in college, it was much bigger than, um, Snapchat was a thing. Facebook was a thing. Twitter, I think. Yeah. Ninth and 10th grade. It wasn't as big, but Facebook has always been around, I definitely got a phone later than kids these days. though. my younger sister got a phone when she was like 13 years old. And I want to say I was a junior in high school when I got a phone. So maybe 15, 16.
0: See, I'm like dead set on that 15, 16 age with my kids. And I think people laugh when I say that because nobody waits that long anymore. Um, But I just think we've learned so much in the last like few years that phones and social media have like taken over and. I want to raise adventurous kids and I don't want the dang smartphones and tablets to get in the way of that.
1: I think that is so smart. So I don't have kids of my own, obviously. So um, disclaimer, I'm not a parent, but I think that there's something to be said about having a disconnected um, kid until Mm -hmm. they're old enough to, you know, realize that there's life outside of this square device. And I see so many kids that get so stuck on, on a phone and can't hold eye contact, can't have a conversation, don't enjoy the outdoors. And I think it's so important to have adventurous children and to let them get dirty and let them do things and fall and um, be outside. And that's that's kind of how I was raised. And, and I really... I'm grateful for that and grateful for my parents for, you know, putting their foot down at the time because kids did have phones when I was in ninth grade, but my parents were very adamant on, you'll get a phone when, you know, when you'll be, when you're traveling with your friends and we want to be able to hear from you, but that just wasn't the case in ninth and 10th grade. So it was, um, it was great the way that it happened.
0: I'm always so interested in like the generations of like, when these things got introduced and how it affected childhoods and I think now we we just have so much information now I think that I think the people that got screwed are the people that have like 20 year olds right now because it's like everything was so new and you didn't know the um you know the aftermath of it um but yeah I sorry I went off on a tangent there <laughs> I just see these like adventurous people like you and I'm like I want that for my kids. I mean, I'm not talking about like an external performance thing where they need to be winning races or anything. It's just, I want them to love to be outside. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I totally agree. You know, if I, if I do have kids, that's what I want too. and maybe it's old school, but I think it's so important to keep them you know, as disconnected from social media and phones as you can until, you know, until it's really necessary. Um, and you know, they might give you pushback on that, but <laughs> I think they'll thank you later. Like I think this is something that, you know, I'm sure my parents and I butt heads over it at some point, but I don't remember being a huge issue. I just I just know that now I'm super grateful and and maybe I sound like an old woman saying that, but I'm like, thank God I grew up like that because I just um, it just is so authentic.
0: Yeah. That's so good. Um, okay. We have to wrap up with end of podcast. I don't want to, but we do what's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet.
1: Um, I think more travel is a big one. So I, I really want to visit Asia and New Zealand. Those are kind of the two areas that pop up to in my head. And, um, those are two places that I really want to go and explore and travel just excites me. So, yeah.
0: Do you think you'll go for races or for just fun?
1: I think both. Usually what happens is I'll travel out for a race and then the trip gets extended an awkward amount of time and I get to explore a lot of new places. And um, so, yeah, I'd love to race in both places, but then explore as as a tourist also
0: have a week post race to explore. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes.
0: That's awesome. Uh what's the best most recent book? I feel you said you're a reader though, so I think you have to give more than one book.
1: Yeah, so okay. My <laughs> my thing is that I really like I call them thoughtless reads. So I'm not sure if you've heard of Leanne Moriarty. Yeah. She is I just love her stuff and I think it's just a way to get out of this world and be in a completely different world that's not stressful and um, not that our world is always stressful but it's just so nice to to kind of put yourself in just a completely different story so I really love those I'd say like dramas Mm -hmm. Um, so all the Leanne Moriarty books are great and then a recent I'm giving more, more authors than books, but Elin Hildenbrand is another person that I really enjoy reading her books. Um, so those are kind of the two that I've been stuck on lately. Um, but another one that I read recently was me before you. And then me after you, those two are really, really good. And they made a powerful movie about it actually. And it's, it's a great, I think it's a UK based book, but super good books and very powerful. They will make you cry, but very, very good. Um, and then on my list is Lauren Fleshman's book that is like severely backordered right now. So I love to see that.
0: Yeah. Good for her. Um, I don't know why I would have never guessed that you were into the fluffy reads like that. I think it's like a, uh, a vision I have of like trail runners, not being into stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm judging
0: trail runners.
1: So funny because most people would not see because I'm not really like this fluffy romantic yeah, yeah. person, but I think that's why I love them so much because it's just so different from the world that I live in. And yeah. um, so it's fun to just kind of let go and and to yeah, to be completely in this story.
0: I totally agree. I always want an escape book going. Whether whether I have other books going at the same time, I need an escape book. Mm-hmm. Um, do you watch any TV?
1: I do a little bit, not a ton, Um, but I I'm a huge fan of like Emily in Paris again, yes. totally out of character, but it's just another thoughtless, like really feel good show.
0: Totally. Yeah. I loved Emily. I was so sad when it was over. Have you watched? um Never have I ever. No, no, I haven't. It's really good. Put that on your list. If you like, I mean this it's, it's a comedy. It's funny. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's a good escape.
1: Okay. Never have I ever noted.
0: Um, okay. Who's someone fun, motivating or inspiring? You would like to have coffee to your cocktail with. Hmm. Is
1: this someone that I know or anyone?
0: I, it can be anyone.
1: Okay. I have two answers. So the first is if we're talking athletic world, um, my best friend, Lucy Bartholomew, uh, we, She was just here for two weeks and we got matches together every single day loyally. So the first person I think of, when I think of tea, I think of her. So, um, and she's just one of the most fun humans to be around. So Lucy would be, would be my like realistic get tea with. And then somebody who I dream of getting tea with is probably Taylor Swift. I, I am a big Taylor Swift fan, (laughs)
0: See, you're just throwing us like we, I would have never guessed that either. And I, I mean, I love Taylor Swift too. <laughs> yeah. I'm, um, I'm
1: throwing you for a loop. I I like some of the, some of the quote unquote girly things. I, the pop I really culture side Swift. of Bailey. Yes, exactly. I have to stay in the loop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I just had Lucy on the show a couple weeks ago and I had never talked to her and I loved it so much.
1: She's amazing. She makes me laugh so much. and she's just such a great friend and supporter and human being, all in one. And um, yeah, big Lucy fan. She's actually running 100 miles as we speak. Ooh. So,
0: yes, shout out to Lucy. <laughs> wow. You both are wise beyond your years, though. You really are. Well, thank you. Thank you. I think
1: I think that's why we get along so well. I think we're the same age on paper and both of us you know, we've been through a lot and we've grown from that, but also, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's awesome. All right. What's your last message to leave with our audience?
1: Yeah. To everyone out there listening, just be unapologetically you and, you know, you'll achieve your wildest dreams. That's, that's truly my belief system. I think I've learned from trying to be someone that I'm not and that just doesn't bring me to my goals and it doesn't fill my cup and, um, you know, embracing who I am and all of my weirdness. I think that's, that's the answer.
0: Thank you, Bailey.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was, this was an amazing chat.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Bailey, for coming on the show. You can find Bailey on Instagram. She's Bailey Kowalski over there. Bailey K-O-W-A-L- C Z Y K. You can find me on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 over there at Lindsay Hine on Twitter. We have a great Facebook group where we would love to have you join us over there. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. Go check out our sponsors. Sponsors make this podcast possible. There are two things that make it possible. One, you all listening. That's the most important. Two, our amazing guests that come on. And then, okay, three, the sponsors that make it happen, make these wheels turn. So I can hire editors and things like that. It is such an awesome experience to work with these amazing brands. And Lagoon is one of my favorite new sponsors. Best pillow ever, lagoon sleep.com slash Lindsay. Use the code Lindsay for 15% off your order. And of course, athletic greens. I do not start my day without my athletic greens. And you can get five travel packs for free plus a vitamin D supplement when you go to athleticgreens.com slash another. Use that code another for the five free travel packs. Hey, I just went down to Jacksonville, Florida for the Donna Marathon weekend, and you better believe I had some travel packs with me. Can't start my day without it. Uh, All right, friends. Thanks for being here. Learn more about the podcast and everything in the Sandy Boy Network at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next Tuesday for a new coaching series episode.